Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, brand worn by John McEnroe, Vitas Garolitis, Novak Djokovic, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com. Diodora, the brand made legendary by Bjorn Borg, currently worn by world number 28, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, is the official shoe of the podcast. See them at Diodora.com. Once again, we have a very special show for you today. Today's guest was born in Bilzen, Belgium in 1983, and in 2003 was the number one player in the world in singles and doubles. She won three U.S. Opens, one Australian Open, and 41 career titles. In 2017, she was inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Kim Kleisters is today's guest. I imagine you're going to be watching Belgium in the coming hours. Where, where Are you set up for that? Are you ready to watch that game? I have watched every game so far. <laughs> You've watched every uh, game. So Belgium is definitely um, my main focus. Um, but uh, yeah, as much as possible, I you know watch the games and I get up in the morning for the first one and um, and you just go. Yeah, you so, watch every game. I yep. I'm in LA, so I have a hard time watching the 2 a.m. game. But I yeah, I, get I watch the, the I watch the other three starting at five. Now, yeah. uh, do you have any, do you have a relationship with the team? No, no, no. I mean, I know some of the guys, but I don't have a relationship with them. My history is um, soccer. You know, my dad played a couple of World Cups. Here you see some of his. Amazing. Yeah, over there. So let um, me just pause 86. you for one second. For our listeners, the young woman you hear, former world number one, probably the most low key former world number one we've ever had on well you know we have a lot of we've had a lot of world number ones on the show but she is very mellow yellow um <laughs> are you the greatest athlete from belgium do they, do they consider you the greatest there ever was in any sport i mean one of i mean justine um we or have just, cyclists okay. that are, yeah of, of course uh, with justine Hanon. uh yeah um, cyclists you know uh, eddie Merckx, who was um, you know, our greatest cyclist who cycling is huge at home. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we have a lot. Um, Stefan Evers, who was a motorcycle. I mean, there's, you know, <laughs> a lot of great, great names. Nafiti Am now, who's doing incredible in the in track. And, um, and what so, about yeah, Lukaku? A, what about Lukaku? He's a big time. Lukaku, De Bruyne, Thibaut Courtois. I mean, I can keep going when we get to soccer. <laughs> and that's Kim Kleisters. Uh, what a pleasure to have you on the show this morning. Thank you. As you know, we do a five-set format. The first set is the off-the-court report. So uh, do I have it right that December 3rd, you're going to be playing an EXO with Layla? Query and Jack Sock. Do I is that was that what's happening in Orlando? That is all correct. Yeah. Now, do you get ready? Yep. So I'm going to be playing against Layla. Um, so that'll be interesting. You'll play against <laughs> Layla. I'll play against her. Yeah. Have you have you been on the opposite side of the court from her ever before? Never. No, I've watched her play obviously in the last um, yeah probably year and a half. I've watched her play a lot and and kind of been following her her growth and. Um, yeah, so it's been incredible to see, you know, what she's doing and and how she's evolving, and obviously, you know, her her great run at the at the U.S. Open um, 
already a little over a year ago now, but just to see, right, when you're so young, you have such a great result early on in your career, it's always hard to kind of, you know, you put like some pressure on yourself where you feel like, okay, I have to show that this is a normal for me, right? That it's not just a fluke or that. So it's it's always interesting to see. And she's such a hard worker. Um, That's what we focused. hear is we hear yeah. that she's a very hard worker and that she did the work to, to have that result. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like she she struggled with some injuries this year and never quite really turned the corner. Right. And that's some of the things. Once you get to that level and, you know, okay, the U.S. Open, um, MI played three, we, uh, like they played, you know, qualies and everything. But then you have to be able to maintain that level for a year. And physically, you've never had to do something like that. So your body also has to adjust to the impact of the matches that they have traveling um, a lot more, probably, you know, more intense. I mean, it's just a lot that your body has to adjust to in a short amount of time. So I think just thinking how, how I grew um, in the sport and some of the injuries that I had, it was just a matter of kind of balancing, you know, and pushing that limit every time to get better, but not over pushing it. And, and so I think it's just a matter of kind of finding that balance of like, Hey, how much can I handle? Um, how many tournaments in a row can I handle? How do I react when I'm traveling a lot more, um, you know, mental well-being, everything like there's just a lot more focus on that. And it's, um, I think that's why there's you know, a few little injuries. We saw Emma having a few injuries as well. Nayla had some injuries. So it's a matter of your body being able to adjust to that kind of intensity, um, not just physically, but also mentally and emotionally. We're going to get into the, um, the tour shortly. Just quickly, now, now, will you make Thanksgiving? Are you doing Thanksgiving? Well, I, what the people didn't see or hear earlier is that we talked about my kitchen. I had a huge leak in my kitchen ceiling. So you're um, out of business. So my kitchen is, no, I'm, I'm literally picnicking in my living room. Um, in like the little playroom that we have for the kids, there's, I still have like the smoothie from this morning sitting out there. So no washing, no, no dishwasher, nothing at the moment. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not having Thanksgiving at my house. Luckily enough, we can go to my husband's uncle and, um, yeah, so we can just show up and sit at the table. Okay. That's perfect. Now (laughs) just back to the world cup for a second. Does, does Belgium have a good team? Do we, can you tell us anything about the team? We have a great team. Great team. Um, we have great players, and I think it's all a matter of you know having it all come together at at, at the big stage. And um, we have some of the you know the greatest players in the world. And thinking you know the, our goalie Thibaut Courtois, we have Kevin De Bruyne, we uh, Romelu Lukaku. I mean, there's so many great players. Aiden Hazard, he hasn't been playing great lately, but he's you know such a talent, and I feel like he's going to have a great World Cup. Um, but yeah, so so, this, so, you know. so in the event they get to the back end of the month, what are the chances that the Belgian government, the Belgian like the Belgian World Cup, will they fly you in to give the team like a will they fly talk? Me in? No, I doubt. No, 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 I doubt that they will do that stuff. Um, they'll all be there, I sh- I'm sure. <laughs> you, you won't go. You won't go. You won't. No, be I'll there. T- I, listen. I'm. I don't want to jinx anything like I when I think about like these games and stuff like I literally I wake up this morning thinking I have a game today and I'm like fully fully focused on like just sending like positive energy and having it's it's really weird um so I don't want to jinx anything I don't want to 
um, think about like, oh, what if we get to the semis or what if we get to the finals? Like I, I, when I start to think like that or I have friends here in the States or uh, on Strabur and I, we were texting the other day um, before the game and before the Tunisia game. She's like, hey, if Belgium, Tunisia, I mean the final, let's, you know, let's go. I'm like, all right, we'll meet up there then, you know. Um, wow. But um, it's, yeah, so I would love to experience it if something like that happens. Um, you know, I experienced the World Cup. You're focused in focused in <laughs> i am um, yeah I, this is you know my childhood 86 my dad played in mexico and 1990 in italy and so i've lived it from you know up very close and i wasn't there but you know everybody being at the house and cheering and just following it that's kind of i guess where that foundation of my love for soccer started and that's leo your father leo was yep. the player and they say he was a very good player. I mean, you, you, he had, yeah, he was a how, defender. How many he caps? How many caps? I have his cap right here. Look, it's hanging on the wall. Wow. And it's got all the stars on it, so I should count it. But I don't know. I think it's 50 or I don't know, something like that. 45, wow. 50. For our listeners, you play 50 caps. That's the mad amount of international matches for your national Thanks. team. That is a very special thing. Let's move into the second set. This is the On the Court Report. This is where we talk about the business of pro tennis. Um, what a year it was. We said hello to some players and we said goodbye to some players. And, and I, you know, I think one of the big takeaways was, you know, Novak started this year deported and finished the year unbeatable. Right. What were your, what were your uh, impressions of Novak's... Um, sort of flourish at the end i mean amazing um i you know the way that he's able to um leave a lot of the um the negative um the way that he's able to put that behind him and kind of use it all in a force on the court to play better to be even more focused um i absolutely admire um because I'm sure I wasn't in Australia, um, you know, when the when that whole thing was going on, and um, but I can imagine it's absolutely, you know, it's really tough to go through, not just for him but for the team and for everybody involved. It's um, it's a crazy situation, and um, but you know, I heard he's able to play this year or in 2023. He's going to be able to go, and I'm sure he's going to be more motivated than than ever um, to. Um, to, to try and uh, and do well there again. So I love watching him play. I love that he, um, you know, the focus on wellness and, and on, you know, the longevity of like the way he takes care of his body. And I find it so intriguing and interesting. And um, yeah, I just would love to like sit down with him and pick his brain about it all, you know, and ask him a million questions. <laughs> do you know him at all? Um, no, uh, basically just on a hi, how are you kind of basic conversation, uh, but I don't know him personally. Can you share how sort of superhuman it is what he's doing 34 35 36 years yeah. old to be and the, you know to be the, the the player to beat to be almost right. unbeatable he doesn't seem like he really loses any matches i was okay now just off off novak what rafa did last like this year um in australia you know just knowing a little bit of how he was struggling with his foot and, and being so close to like thinking, how oh, am I going to, am I actually going to get to a level where I want to get back to? And, and then for him to get to a level 
that was, you know, maybe some of the best tennis that I've ever seen him play, I thought was incredible. And Novak, he yeah, it's like he just he he picks up from there, right? He he goes to Wimbledon and you can see um the focus, the the way that you know, I love how Rafa plays, like the intensity and the battle and the the hustle and the um but with Novak there's such a a, a physical um smoothness I, I'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's when he moves from side to side, when he um I don't know if you saw there's a picture it was actually um with a Belgian gymnast um that he at the Olympics he posted where he's in like a full on split right next to her, That's right? Incredible. And so Yeah, it's 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 um amazing that I love that part about it, like how he's so into like his the recovery and it's not just the basic things that we are used to in the physio room. I was also very, you know, to a lot of people probably out there when it came to those kind of things. But like he that's why it intrigues me so much, you know, the things that he does. And, and um, yeah, so I love it. I love seeing him. um, Yeah, do well and, and seeing him, you know, drive and try to be the greatest you know with the most amount of grand slams trophies did did you have any inkling that ash barty would stop no no i mean i've known ash for 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 years um i think from when she was you know a teenager and and um back when i was dating Leighton one of his coaches at the time was jason stoltenberg and jason stoltenberg was coaching um, Ash, um, oh, wow. was a teenager. So, a you know, I would ago. have some conversations and I would, um, you know, they would ask me, um, you know, just to talk and, and, and just to see some of the struggles that she go, went through. Right. And it is tough. And I saw a lot of the same similarities, um, in her as, as I had, and, and, you know, some of the struggles of, you know, the lifestyle and the, and, and dealing with some of the things that are on tour and, um, and it's uh yeah it's 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 not easy to deal with you know the pressure is one thing but your life changing right like we play tennis we all start locally you know she started in a small town where she's from so did i you know and then all of a sudden you know i'm not a person who needs to be or wants to be in the attention and 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 wants you know all the, all the attention on them and and she's very, very similar like that. And she prefers to completely be out of it than, than you know, be unhappy. And and um, and to a lot of people, it's hard to understand, I think, because um, people think like, oh, it's so great. You know, you can be in the spotlight. And but. Um, well, it's funny. Yeah, I was I was going to ask if you could draw a correlation between the way you played well and stopped. And then the way she played well and stopped. Um, yeah, I think there's there's definitely similarities. And I, I'm very so that when I heard the news, like so many people would like reach out to me and be like, oh, my God, like, how is this possible? How can she do this? Like how, you know, and, and she must not love the sport. And it's not that she I mean, that's I, I can't speak for her, obviously. But I think it's more of like, yeah, you do love tennis. And but you love tennis, you know not more than your well-being and being in an environment that you feel like is draining and toxic at times. And, and so I think that, that, yeah, I think her terms and, and uh, realize she has so much more to, to give um, and to do 
uh, in sports and whether it's golf or cricket or, you know, to give back to her, to the indigenous community in Australia. And she's so involved in so many things. And, um, and I'm sure she still loves to play tennis. Right. And it can be in a local club where there's nobody watching or no, you know, and, and that's the thing, like the passion for tennis does never leaves really. It's, um, you know, we fall in love with the sport when we're little kids. Right. And, and it's something that's in us. And, um, but it's a lot of times it's all the other stuff that gets added onto that plate that we never signed up for. And, um, and yeah, so it's, um, you know, so I wasn't, I was a little bit like, oh, but then understandably that, you know, she did it her way and she ended up, you know, winning the Aussie and, and that was it. That was, know, it. That was the perfect ending for her. Now, what can you tell us about Iga and what she's done this year? I mean, this year, last few years, I mean, I've loved watching her grow. Um, not just on the tennis court, but mentally as well, just the way that she's able to improve her game. She's She has such an open mindset to learn and absorb from all the greats that walk around at the Grand Slams, from coaches that, or, you know, from comment, like she listens to commentators, like she picks up so many things and is able to absorb it better than anyone I've seen on the women's tour. And But isn't she the best mover as well on the tour? No, she's definitely, to me, the best mover on tour, but also for her to be able to transition from maybe being a little bit more of a de- defensive player because she was such a great mover, right? Like you can tell that she was able to, to um, you know, win a lot of tournaments when she was younger because she was able to bring so many more balls back than probably a lot of other girls and because she was so much more consistent. But what she's been able to do is is take control of the of the offensive part of the game and she's been able to really really um learn how to do that and that's something that's that's really hard to do when your nature is to maybe be a little bit more defensive Mm. and to rely on your movement but she grew and 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 absorbed you know a lot of the advice that she's gotten and 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 absorbed playing you know the play absorbing the feelings of playing against these players that she was playing against these hard hitters where she realized like, oh, I have to step up and I have to be closer to the baseline and I have to take my chance when I can step into the court. And she's been able to do that better than I think anyone has been able to to transition to transition their game. She steps up. She's still, her, her movement is better. She's even more consistent, but she's also more aggressive now too. And that's where she becomes at times, you know, yeah, t- really, really tough to beat. She's not not only losing matches; she's not even really losing a lot of games. It seems like she's like really winning sets very definitively. Right, right, and that's all also focus, right? She's so focused from the moment that she steps out on court, and 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 there's a switch. And I always, you know, I've I've, I've helped some players throughout the years, and and seen some players, and and hit with some players, juniors to to players on tour, and and. To be able to be so committed, um, it's again. There's a fine line between between being fully focused and over overthinking. And she's, I think, the perfect example of somebody who's extremely focused but knows when to turn it off so that it be, doesn't become overwhelming. And um, because I've seen a lot of players who think, "Oh, the more I do, the better. The better I'll get." But after a while, you know, it's. You, you deal with the pressure and the focus of winning and, and, Oh no, I don't want to lose. And what's going to happen when I lose and the media and my points and my sponsors. And, and there's so many players who go into that kind of negative cycle 
and um and she's yeah she has that focus and she she knows when to turn it off turn it on and um and i think that's super important for her for to be you know to have a long long career to to be able to play well at the end of the of the year is to to know okay i need to take a break from the sport where i just turn off completely from tennis there's a lot of players who can't do that and um and that's why it becomes so draining and and um yeah so i i admire that about her so much where were you throughout the serena farewell and what were your impressions of you know her sort of last stand at the u.s open i was in arthur ash stadium with my tissues <laughs> i want to back up first you know we saw her kind of come to wimbledon and she she wasn't ready to play did you have any sort of feelings about that i was sort of like disappointed that she wasn't ready to play and then oh. i was and then i was excited that she had gotten ready to play. Like she seemed like she played right. herself. I think that is, that is the perfect description. I think, um, you know, she came out, knew she wasn't ready, right? Like she probably knows that, but she wants to start somewhere. And, you know, if she knew already, maybe then that it was going to maybe be her last, her last few months on tour. Yeah, of course, you know, she wants to be at Wimbledon, right? Like, why? Why not? And, um, but the way that she was able to in those next few weeks elevate her game, grow, and absorb everything that was thrown at her from, you know, the the attention of the farewell, the I guess the Vogue uh, article, um, you know, everything was, you know, focused on that. And it's very grandiose. It was a very grandiose rollout. It was. A, it was, it, but at yeah. the same time, you know, it it's not easy to deal with. I think when you're, you know, all of a sudden the attention is on you, and and I'm sure she can use it also. She uses that as motivation, and she has such a great team of people around her with Jill and her agent. And I mean, it's it's so like it's so important to be able to kind of draw your boundaries. Um, Wait, but I but cut yeah, you off. You were I, I should have I shouldn't have done that. You were in Ash Stadium. Yep. What 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 were you what was going through your mind? What were so, you So you know, I saw her her win her first match, saw her win her second match. Um so it was yeah, absolutely amazing how she was able to play, you know, some of her best tennis and, and um and what I love was seeing her passion came out, right? Like the the fight, the even when she wasn't maybe playing at her best, or um, but the fight, the 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 battle, and and her being able to, you know, change her level, you know, from maybe playing a few um, weaker points, but then to step up and hit two aces, and and just like that old kind of Serena, it was so incredible to see, and then the electrifying crowd with that in New York in a night session was was amazing and I, think, um, and I think it's important not to forget that she served for the first set she won the second set and then you know she put up this great fight and saved like nine match points you know yeah <laughs> to sort of close yeah no I mean you know and, and also credit to to Alia Tomljanovic for you know the way that she handled that moment right like she she stepped up you know, stay very focused. And then her on-court interview afterwards was, uh, was absolutely amazing. Like it was, um, 
you know completely dedicated towards Serena and um and the moment and um so yeah I I feel I, I was just very proud of our sport and 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 to be able to be a part of it and 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 witness history and um yeah really really exciting have you spoken to Serena did you shoot her a note did you give her a hug I didn't see her no I didn't see her there I saw her on the court um and that was it so um nothing yet <laughs> What about where were you for Roger? Roger's goodbye at the Labor Cup. Where was I? I was here. Another tearjerker. I was here. um, Crying my eyes out. (laughs) Especially when, I guess, when when Mirka walked on court and, and, you know, hugged, like, just that whole connection. And then, you know, obviously seeing him with the players on court and his connection with Rafa and, and, um, you know, seeing these guys get to, you know, this stage in their careers and, and okay, Rafa's still playing. Novak is still playing, but I guess the connection with Rafa and Roger, just the history. And you could just see the appreciation for everything that they've done, um, what they've been able to achieve in tennis. And then also realizing like, yeah, this, this all does come to an end and, um, and, and making the most out of it. And I think it was more of, of a, yeah, appreciating kind of night and, and, and realization of like, yeah, like, you know, there's not many people in the world and okay, I'm on a completely different level than these guys, but I realize it too. Like when you stop playing and you go, you know, I drop my kids off at school and there's not a lot of people who you can share your experiences with. Right. And, and so, you know, so when I go back to tournaments and I see players or when I, when I'm talking to, you know, Daniela Hantuchova or Martina Hingis or whoever, like we have such a connection. There's an understanding of the life that we've had from a very young age, the dedication that we've put up um, for our sport to get to where we wanted to get to. Um, that Yeah, I can't share that. You know, you can't really share that with anybody who will understand. And, and so it's really nice to be able to have those moments. And so for me to see Rafa and Roger, you know, without a doubt, that's going to be a, a lifetime of, you know, friendship, I think. And that's incredible because those guys beat, beat each other's brains out for a lot of years. Right. And they, you know, but taking championships away from each other. Yeah. But also like they have such nice families, like their parents are great. You know, they're the coaches, the team, like it's so respectful. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, I always think like it really comes from a lot of that, uh, you know, the background of, how are you brought up and to respect your, your opponent and, and, you know, yeah, you fight your absolute hardest out, but, you know, after that, and I think they've, there were definitely moments where they were frustrated with each other. I don't doubt that, but as you get older, you know, you, you realize like how, how impressive it is what they've both done. And, and um, yeah, and they're both getting to that stage. You know, Rafa's now retired. Uh, Roger's now retired. Rafa, who knows when that's going to happen? But he seems that he's still hungry to to improve and to keep to keep on playing. And um, so yeah, um, we'll we'll see. But it's uh, you know, I feel very lucky that I've been able to play in an in an era where you know started early. Whatever, nineteen ninety nine was my probably my, or nineteen ninety eight was my first year on tour. To to you know, I played against Capriati. I was able to play against Steffi. I was able to play against Monica, and you know, and then I was able to play, play Venus and Serena and watch Roger and Rafa compete and Andy and I mean Novak. It's just a 
yeah, I feel so lucky that I've been so like a part of watching these guys and women, right? Like compete at a level and they've helped me improve and me get better and, and just to learn from them, even when they're practicing next to you or when you're watching them from the hotel room on TV. I mean, there's, you absorb so much without even knowing that without a doubt that 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 whole generation has had a huge impact on on even the professional players that were playing let's move into the third set this is the portion of our show where we talk about your career getting ready for this uh interview i was watching video and watching old matches of yours and i forgot how good you were <laughs> how did you get so good where does your tennis begin I mean, it's a process. I, I was five years old when um, when my dad had to go away um, for a soccer tournament and my mom, the wives were allowed or were allowed to travel with the team at that time. And um, I went over to stay with my um, stay with my uncle and aunt and my two cousins uh, back in Belgium. And and um, they were playing tennis at the time, in their local local little tennis club. And, and I went there and I started picking up the balls for them and thought it was the most exciting thing I'd ever done. And I remember when my parents came home to be like, hey, I want to play tennis. And um, so they signed me up and and uh, my dad became a soccer player of the year a couple of years later. And that's when he put a, um, a, a red clay tennis court in our backyard and played there and and loved it and you know fought had some some fights with my sister on that court but (laughs) but that's you know that that's where the base of or the foundation of my tennis upbringing starts and it's from watching the tennis on tv and and you know being in europe and you know watching the french open watching wimbledon um i remember watching the australian open and, and and dreaming that one day i would be able to hold the trophy and um and I have this image of, you know, Steffi, um, you know, having a, a like a an Australian, like a big leather hat on her on her head and, and a holding a koala stuffed animal. And um, just to see it. And I thought it was so cool and fun to watch. And I wished one day I could be there. And it's something very unique about that experience of then as a kid, you know, my sister and I, we were we were pretending that, you know, she, I was Steffi or she was Sellers or vice versa. And then once, you know, I was Arancha Sanchez. And and so there's something. And then we would go out, take my mom's kitchen chairs. And that was the net. Like we divided the driveway with the kitchen chairs. And, and that was our net. And we just played hours in the summer and um, pretended that we were those players. And so it's a really cool um, experience. Where did like the ball striking come from? Where did the technique get so good, get so refined? And like, when did you kind of, you know, find your know. way in, into where you could be pro? It's like one thing to be good. It's another thing to be, you know, you, know, you got to one. It's like, a, you know, it's a different I think, thing. Um, I definitely had some, you know, I was lucky or like good coaches early on who were good with technique. And I feel like in Europe, there's a lot of emphasis on a lot of focus on, you know, coaches who, you know, everybody needs a degree, right. You have to, you know, you have to follow the, 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 um, yeah, you have to have your, your degree in, in, in coaching. Otherwise you're not allowed to coach. Like I, I feel like we have a very good system when it comes to that. So I think early on I was able to get the, 
the the base of you know tennis where your technique needs to be good um but well, I, I mean i have three kids now too and i see the difference in um or i i realized how how to me tennis it was something that was never nobody ever pushed me to play tennis right like i love playing tennis i love learning i that's when when we talked earlier about ega about having an open mind and to absorb and to take it all in, I feel like I was able to do that really well. And I come from an era where, you know, when my coach wanted to show me, you know, I had to go to a TV in the back of the corner of the of the of the tennis court, and that's when they rewinded from a cassette of Steffi Graf her footwork running around the forehand. That's how you know. That's how I grew up. It wasn't iPads or phones, or it was like, okay, you know, let's go to the corner, watch this TV, <laughs> and I was really good at just absorbing what I saw the visual with how I wanted to do it and um absorbing and copying uh, yep and and yeah probably not identical copy but make it my way and and understand like okay this is where you need to be you need these little steps right to get there in time and you need to open your hip and I've also been on the other side where I've had coaches who com- explain everything in words and words and words and talk and talk and talk. And I'm like, guys, stop. Like this, that, that doesn't work for me. So I think very early on, I was able to feel um, what, what, what I absorb very well with and what I can learn a lot from. And, and it was definitely the visual, the visual aspect of it all. Um, Did you like, travel to spain did you travel to the no. states all no. belgian all belgian all local Actually, yep. yeah yep i remember um i think i was 12 or so 13 and um from nick Bolletieri, i think my dad got a call from i don't know if it was img at the time or um but yeah to say like hey we want to move your whole family up to to florida and you want we want you to come and train here and you you know your grandparents can come over and like we, you can all move down here. And and my dad, you know, being, you know, very down to earth, like knows like as an athlete, what it takes. He, the first, the, what he said to me, he's like, Kim, you don't need that. The tennis court is the same size here as it is over there. Right. Like that's what he said. And your dad and, shut down the uh, pitch. He shut down the move yeah, to voluntary I mean, pitch. Yeah. But he also knew that I'm, I'm a local, like I love being at home and riding the bike. I did that, you know, when I was number one in the world, like just jumped on my bike and rode into town. And like, it's just, that's how I grew up. And I love that part about it. And and just, you know, being around my grandparents and, and having that foundation of, yeah. You know, so here's a question. Where, when did you start getting a taste of international competition like, how do you know you, you're really good? Like, when do you know? I don't know. Really... I don't know. I mean, I don't think I ever thought that. <laughs> but you won Le Petit um, A, I saw. Yeah. Was that yeah, sort of that. the was that sort of the impetus to think you were really good? Or you just kind of keep going? I don't know. You just keep going. I mean, I, I, I don't think my mindset changed if I played in Le Petit Zas or in, in, a, in a smaller tournament. Like, I wanted to win every match that I played, right? And And no matter where I was. And and so I always say, like, I think one of my strengths was that I never over, like, I was not an overthinker. Like, I just went in without thinking. And a lot of times, like, it, it, you know, as I was developing, it caused me a lot of, you know, matches probably too, because it was too wild. And, and but that's just how <laughs> I, I was still a little kid. Like, I was 16, you know, when I came, 
you know, and, and made seven, almost 17 when I, when I made my first French open final and it's, yeah, it's so early, right? Like you're still so young and absorbing everything and learning and, and, you know, being in a relationship with Leighton as well was something that, you know, I learned a lot from him and from the coaches that he was working with. You know, he worked with Darren Gale, who to me is the greatest coach that, you know, we have in, in our sport. Um, you know, Roger Rashid. I mean, just to be able to, to, to be on court with those guys and to see how they approached Leighton and how Leighton worked. And, and I mean, it was, yeah, it's all a huge learning process for me as a young teenager. And you guys were babies, but he was he was on his way to one in the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And very committed and, and focused and, and just so professional, right? And that was something that, yeah, is is I realized now that I'm even like that I'm older, I realize how, you know, important that part of my life has been um, in my development, too, for tennis. And, and then um, to see how it know, was done. To see how yeah. a different group did it, the the effort and and the, the yeah the patience and and um you know I had my own coaches but to to be able to I remember going to San Diego and see and seeing Monica Sellis I was jet lagged and I'm always an early person and um but seeing Monica Sellis get up at six o'clock in the morning because you know it wasn't a huge tennis club it was a hotel with a few tennis courts so if you wanted to have a court by yourself you either had to do it really early or really late and I saw Monica Sellers practice at six o'clock in the morning and I was like okay like and I took that in and that's still something to this day like I'm up when I talk to you about getting up at five o'clock for the world cup I don't even have to set my alarm like this is I'm up early anyway um so it's it's those are little lessons that you learn along the way and that you see and you think, Oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's one way to do it. Right. Like I didn't think about that myself or didn't think of it myself, but to see her, you know, having the whole court for by herself and by eight o'clock, she had a, you know, two hour tennis session and already while everybody was, you know, either still in bed or getting up for, for at breakfast and being at breakfast. And it just takes those kind of differences. And um Yeah. It's it's there's so many, you know, from those great players, you can learn and you see the dedication and you see what it takes to to become and stay great. So who were you in 2003? 20 years old, you get to one in the world. Who was that Kim Kleisters? Who was that version of you? You have a big smile on your face, (laughs) at least a little smile. Somebody who really loved. um, Yeah, that life that I was living. Um, you know, being on tour and, 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 um, I really took in, you know, those big moments and I was able to, to really enjoy competing and getting better and, and to get fitter and stronger. And, and there were definitely moments of doubt and of, 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 um, yeah, like feeling like I failed and, and, um, but I was always very quickly. And then again, it comes back to not overthinking things took me sometimes a couple of days and then I was like, all right, let's get back into it. Let's, you know, let's forget what happened. And let's go. A lot and of times go. I ask that question and the player says, you know, I actually in the off season got myself into the best shape of my life. I had worked harder than mm-hmm. I'd ever worked before. And when I came into the season, I was, I was unbeatable. I was unstoppable. 
I think it's I was able to work with with Sam, uh, who was my my trainer, but like my fitness coach, but also my 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 physio and and like chiropractor, osteopath, and he has been by far the most important person in my career. Who's this person? Sorry, Sam. He was my my fitness coach, but he also a chiropractor. So he did the whole kind of physical and mental well being part. Um, he what's wasn't the, a psychologist. What's, what's the last name? Uh, Verslegers, which is a tough, <laughs> tough name. Um, Sam was, Verslegers. Sam Verslegers. Yep, that was him, or is him. And um, the most yeah, important was, person to your career. Mm-hmm, without a doubt. And Why? He, uh, um, because of what you said, the off seasons, putting in the work. Um, he doesn't come from a tennis background, but he was so willing to learn and 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 use logic common sense local guy too um from from my hometown in Bree. um and and yeah we we figured it out together to get you know to get faster to get stronger to get quicker to to have better endurance to 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 have great precision when you get to you know playing in australia where, where it's really hot and humid and you get to six all in the third like i knew when i went to australia that there was never going to be a match that was going to be tougher than any of the workouts that I did in the off season. And that is such a, an amazing advantage to have is knowing that you don't have to worry about that. I knew I could keep going for 30 shot rallies if I had to in the heat and slide and push back and, and not feel anything. Right. Like that. I, I knew that. And so I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about that. There was nothing so, that anyone could do to you on the court that hadn't happened to you in the training a month before. Physically wise, no. Yeah. Like th- I, there was nobody who could push me further or deeper uh, physically. Um, you know, I mean, I was again, I was a little crazy. I would do workouts in a sauna um, in December because I wasn't going to Florida. I wasn't going to Dubai. I wasn't going to train. You know, wherever in LA or like I would fly from Belgium, winter, snow. To Australia, so but I would go in my sauna and I would be doing you know workouts in there and and on my own and that nobody ever saw right. So it's it's those kind of things that I don't know. You just push yourself and and whether it made a difference or not in my head, it made a difference. And I think that's that's all that counts. Um, but Sam has been there for my biggest, my toughest times when I had surgery on my wrist, when my you know wrist came out the size of a, of a little rubber band. Um, I mean, yeah, through it all, and uh, the, the 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 injuries, neck injuries. I mean, a lot of things, and um, and we've kept it all fun and exciting, and um, yeah, how, playful. And, how impactful were the injuries? Um, I mean, my wrist surgery was probably the 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 one that had the biggest impact because it was my first big one, and I was at a stage where um you know i was doing well in tennis and and um and i didn't want to obviously didn't want to have surgery and and knowing that i was going to be out for six or you know five to six months i'm sorry you're 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 shaking your left hand was it was it the top hand that was it was my left hand it was my my from backhand doing backhand so um it was my tendon that the shield around the tendon snapped and then they shaved bone off so it was a longer yeah, it took a little longer to rehab, but once I did that, you know, it was um I did well and and yeah, came back stronger. Um, so um, I feel like those moments, I I 
I definitely have him to thank. That was probably the first, because that's when I started working with him was after the, sur- the, the wrist surgery. Um, and then he was there when, you know, after I had my daughter, Jada, our first child, um, you know, to be able to, to travel and having my husband, Brian, be on the sideline, because he was playing basketball at the time still. And, and, you know, that hunger within me started to come back of saying, okay, I want to, I want to maybe play some more tournaments after I had her. And, um, and, you know, he was getting closer towards the end of his career, but he probably could have maybe squeezed one or two more years out of it. Um, but he said, look, if this is what you would like to do, I'm, I'm, you know, I would love to take this adventure with you. And, and we said, okay, you know, let's, let's fully commit. And, um, and it's been incredible. I mean, we, um, we now live in the States, um, but um, we were, you know, living in Belgium at the time and, traveled the world with our daughter and absolutely loved it and uh yeah it's um those were a fun few a few years there was there a day a match that was the best is there like a moment in your in your career was like just the best tennis you ever played can you pinpoint one there's one match where that I feel like when I walked off the court I was like whoa like that felt like like (laughs) I was on like cruise control or automatic pilot or whatever you want to call it. And there was a match um, in Filderstadt when I played uh, Amelie Moresmo. Um, I don't even know the year, but I felt like if I wanted to hit a, hit a, if I said to myself, I'm bouncing the ball before the serve and I said, okay, I'm going to hit an ace down the tee. I hit an ace down the tee. If I said, I'm going to hit it to her body, I would hit like it, everything went the way I wanted it to. And so there's, you know, moments like that in, you know, there's a few moments in, in my career where I feel like, oh, this this feels awesome. And I don't want to jinx it. So I don't want to think about it. I just want to stay in, in the zone. Um, but yeah, to be able to do that, I think that's that's probably a misconception that a lot of players who are maybe ranked a little lower have is that, um, you know, those top players that they always play great. But it's it's not the case. Like every, they also have moments where they're not feeling quite like they should but they're just able to hide a little bit better, not get flustered over it. And, and yeah. And they're, I call it the B game is, is, is of a very high level as well. So um, yeah. Where does Justine head on? Where does she factor into your story? Oh, very early on already. So we, um, you know, we come from the two opposite sides in Belgium. She's from the French side. I'm from the Flemish side. Um, But you know, Belgium national championships. She's a year older than I am. So she was always kind of either playing a year up or, um, so we played each other growing up in Belgium. Um, you know, there was the talk about these two young talented girls. One was from the Flemish side, one from the French side. And then we started playing some international tournaments together where we played, you know, represented our country under, under 14. And we played, you know, we went to Asia and, and, and so I shared the room with her, um, had, friends, you know, friends, friends. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't speak like good French at the time. Um, so we were trying with Flemish and sign language and just to try to get, um, you know, a good communication in, but also difficult, difficult to communicate. It was difficult to communicate, but you make it work, right? Like you do it and you train together and you play doubles together and you have fun and you, you, you joke. And she was going through a tough stage. Um, cause you know, for a few years, like her mom was sick and then her mom ended up passing away. And so it just that really, um, stuck with me too, um, dealing with something like that. And, and, um, 
um, yeah, to see, you know. And she yeah, was so act- good. She was so good. Um, did you get better because of each other? Did you guys make each other better? Yeah. I mean, I think we weren't too involved early on with each other, but I think once we both came on tour, um, we definitely pushed each other. And I think we both came to a stage too that where, um, you know, because we both started doing well around the same time and, and you know, Venus and Serena. So, at, at you know, especially in the media in Europe, there was it was called the Williams sisters and the Belgian sisters. Like that's how they would kind of compare yeah. us at times. And, but we, you know, we had to kind of say like, hey, like we're, we're our own, kind of identities and 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 we're our own uh, personalities and and so i think that kind of grew, we grew apart a little bit there um yeah because of the sport and and media and and just yeah just you know the rivalry would it be fair to say that you became rivals for a moment and it took time to like sort of reconcile that like you want to beat you know you just want to beat that person right yeah yeah i think i mean I, I never took it that, like, of course, I wanted to beat everybody who I stood across the net from um, with Justine. I mean, there were matches, I think my first, out of my first four Grand Slam finals I played, I lost to Justine three times, right? The first one was to Jennifer and the next three were against Justine. And there were moments where, you know, of course I was disappointed, but knowing like, as I got older, I realized like I couldn't even win those matches because I didn't believe I could win. I didn't believe I could beat her. So, um, and I was also, you know, when I could see her hold the trophy up, yeah, of course I was annoyed and I was frustrated because I wasn't able to play my best tennis, but there was a part of me that was like happy for her, right? Like that side too. And, and, and it's, it's a, yeah, you just, I had to learn to kind of deal with that and to block that kind of personal history um, away, like out of it all. Um, and then over time, as I got, I got older, you know, it, it just became easier for me to, to, to kind of not let those personal kind of thoughts and, and yeah, um, you, play you, have an effect on how I played. Do you communicate now? I know that you're both broadcasters at times during the year. Once you... in a while. Yeah. Once in a while, like we see her, like I see her um, at the French. I, I, I don't live in Belgium anymore. Um, we have text messaging um not weekly um but there's definitely um some contact but yeah no we don't we're it's not like we're on you know like a weekly speaking um sure 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 most difficult opponent i'd probably say justine more than because, serena because of the because of the connection from the past i think um yeah. i think justine's game also the the you know with serena for me it was more of like an excitement to to play and 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 um it was tough i mean it was definitely really tough but it was so different right um yeah it was it was different i mean serena yeah of course i mean when she was on it was um you know just at times impossible to to do something whereas with justine it was you know just more tricky like this the the chip and the, 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 the slice return that she would play and the the variety of her you know one-handed backhand with the slice and I mean, it was just her coming into the net. Just that, like, whole her her total game um, was harder for me to um, to deal with. 
and then also the past of us right like our history and and knowing when i was a teenager playing her in the, in the final and and the, the the impact and 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 the attention that that was getting like at times it was so overwhelming um when you're that young um that it became really hard to um to put that all aside did you love being a pro tennis player yeah most of the time i did yeah i just love traveling i love playing tennis i i felt so lucky that i was able to be you know like that that at times my grandparents could come and watch me play and my parents and i mean it was just yeah i i loved it um I liked I liked the physical work that we had to put into it um, most of the time. I'm not going to say that it was all fun and games, but um, looking back on it now, it's like, you know, when you get older, like you look back and, and when you're in school, you think, oh, I hated school. But, you know, afterwards, you're like, hey, that was actually a great time like we had in school. And and so I, I think that's how I it's not that I, I I actually really liked like playing tennis and had my struggles when you know my mom was really sick and and we all go through moments like that in life right and and um but overall tennis was was um yeah was was um something I really enjoyed and still enjoy still and still enjoy I still pickleball I'm starting to play some pickleball too but (laughs) but but uh, but I still play tennis. I try to play twice a week, and uh, I have a, a friend who is a, a good pro here. Um, Maxi also um, helped me a little bit, and uh, you know, a few years ago, and then um, yeah, just to be able to go out and hit for even if it's an hour and a half or so, and is is exciting and and fun, and um, doesn't have to be on a on a big center court stage or anything. Let's move into the fourth set. This is the 10 ball scramble. We go fast. I say it, and you just say what comes in your mind, and we go quick, okay? You ready? Yes, ready. Favorite tournament? Indian Wells. Really? More than U.S. Open? I w- Listen, you you asked me to say the first thing that comes in my pops up in my head. Just the hey. view. I remember <laughs> these moments of playing and just seeing the mountains and the palm trees and the, the effect <laughs> on it early on. Uh, Indian Wells was... Um, yeah, beautiful. Favorite city? <laughs> Melbourne. Big entourage or lean and mean? Um, lean and mean, but, you know, when I started traveling with, you know, my daughter and, and the family, the entourage became bigger, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> you got big at some juncture, I think, that you... Oh, went... uh, yeah. Do you, do you know the most you ever had to travel with? Do you know what the most was? Um, let me think. Coach physio. Coach physio. Um, husband. Husband. Child. Jada. I mean, I always had you know tried to have some friends over for probably eight, nine. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big number in the that box. That was a big number, but yeah, it was always tough. Like you know, can we get some extra credentials? <laughs> Advice for box etiquette. What is the way the people in the box, if you're in a player's box, how is how are the people supposed to behave? Respectful to both. Um, first of all, to both teams, don't be jumping around when my opponent hits a double fold or yell out or you know that's first of all the uh, that would really annoy me. Um, and everything else, um, I had this, and this is again from my dad growing up. Um, is to don't jinx anything don't say during the game like if i'm up whatever set and, and a break say like oh she got this or like don't do anything like that and so everybody kind of knew that um once in a while somebody 
you know, would say something or like even my husband who, you know, doesn't come from a tennis background, he'd be like, oh, I hear afterwards, like, oh, she's serving great. And then I would hit the double fold or, you know, like stuff like that. So don't, don't jinx it. <laughs> and you're right. And yeah, I think it's important. Isn't it true too? You have to remember you're on TV. You have to like really kind of keep a, keep a straight face. Right. And I also would like to kind of if I played on the same court, which is not, you know, not not always the case, but kind of to have the same routine of, you know, where my coach would sit, where my trainer would sit, where Brian would sit, my husband. And like so just so that you can have that contact of that, that visual, that's always the same kind of Um, I like that. Yeah. Were you superstitious? Yes, (laughs) very. (laughs) What are what were your superstitions aside from keeping everyone in the same seats? In the I mean, it, it it varied from tournament to tournament. So at the U.S. Open, for instance, it was always using the same shower. It was using the same bathroom, you know, um, <laughs> the food that you eat. Uh, yeah, it's it's different. Like it's different at each tournament, depending on kind of the environment that you're in. Um, the way that my tennis rackets had to be in my tennis bag. Um, nobody was allowed to touch my rackets once I put my grips on. Like, I mean, stuff like that. It goes very far. Um, I had this routine. I'm, I would definitely wasn't the neatest um, in my hotel room, but I would, if I had a night session, I would always clean up and refold all my clothes and I would sit on the ground and have all my clothes out and I would fold everything, put everything back. And yeah, just, I don't know weird like it becomes it gets at times like now i i realize like i needed it but it becomes a little like too obsessive at times kim kleister so. cleans her room before she took to the night session <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> coaching in tennis only in practice not during the games for me most cavalier thing you ever did with prize money straight out of the office <laughs> Do you ever just go buy a Porsche? Just do you ever buy no. a boat? Nothing like that. It doesn't trigger me. Those kind of things don't, I don't know. They're not important to me. Never um, bought a Birkin bag right out of, never went right to. No. Never, no. None of that stuff. No. No. What? It's um, boring, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't care about that stuff. I just thought it <laughs> no. was, you know, Mark Philippoussis like bought motorcycles and, you know, I, I like to yeah, ask no. the question. It's always sort of a fun no, thing. No, no. Um, Kirsten Flipkins. Like my little sister, um, trick shot, super talented. Um, yeah, few words that pop up when I think about her. Incredible career. Incredible career. Still playing doubles. Um, but um, yeah, super talented. Um, is going to be a great coach. Very smart. Um, could she have done better, or was she? No, I think she she really was able to she also had you know a pretty serious and still does like a back injury and um and so she's definitely been able to get a lot out of her career um yeah i mean she was never the hardest hitter but just so talented and and physically um you know always always there a smart player able to use her net game and and her variety of her game which made it really tough for a lot of players so um yeah, she had a had a great career. Your favorite Serena moment? Did you ever have a great little Ooh. on the court or off the court? Does there ever I mean, a... probably probably the first match that I played against her, where we, you know, I mean, me definitely, I was, uh, you know, not known in the tennis world. Um, you know, Serena, that was the first year. I was ninety nine, I think, where she won her first U.S. Open, 
And I think I qualified and I played her in the first or second round or something. And um, yeah, I was up five, two in the third. And you played her tough and you were served for the match, right? Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Arm felt like it weighed a hundred kilos all of a sudden. <laughs> I couldn't lift my racket anymore. <laughs> and it was the old like Louis Armstrong stadium. Um, no, was it? Yeah. 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 It was the old Louis Armstrong stadium and it was, um, I remember all of a sudden, like it was just full, and I, I don't think I've ever played with that many people watching, and it was just everything, like a big overwhelming, overwhelming moment. But um, that's probably one of the most exciting things. Uh, although I lost, it was still, you know, a big, a big moment for me playing against Serena, and then seeing her win that, you know, as a her first Grand Slam as a, an American winning, you know, in in New York was um was was yeah incredible. Zizu Bergs. <laughs> um, uh, Do you know him? Not well. I know him, of course. Yeah, I know him. His, um, his, you know, he played in this, you know, in the same club as I trained a little bit in Brie, and then uh, where I had my academy as well. And um, is he gonna so be? Seen- is he gonna be good? Um. I th- I mean he's he is already at a level where you know I think a lot of people are like okay like now he's getting like to to a really good level I think he has definitely has some improvement to to do and I think his um his focus and kind of um um uh, his his way of of staying um he's not it's not like he's not dedicated he's just so uh flamboyant is that how i should say it like he he's, he's very flashy he's a flashy, flashy player and at times i think it can take a little bit away of you know the focus and the dedication of of um but yeah he i mean when he's at his best he's incredible but it just needs to become more consistent are you a proponent of him do you want him to play well <laughs> I mean, of course yeah. I, yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. you feel like <laughs> yeah, he's got some work to do it looks like from what i'm seeing there yeah it's like yeah of course it's like you know, I want him to do well and I, I, you know, care and I, we want them, you know, to, to get it right. <laughs> Last question. Uh, the health of the WTA, how are you feeling about the WTA at the moment? Um, how am I feeling about the WTA at the moment? Well, it's been since the U S open that I've been at, at a tournament, but, um, I have to say for a few years, like I was so proud to be able to, you know, watch our sport on TV, to be able to um, go to the tournaments and talk about our players and, and to see, um, you know, players step up. Um, I mean, Ash Barty, uh, Iga Swiatek. I mean, there, there have been so many stories that I have loved what Madison Keys is doing. It's, it's, it's over growing what is happening on the court. And I think they're reaching so many more players who are so many more people who, who are not involved in tennis. Um, You know, what Serena seeing Serena at the U S open this year. I mean, I had more people come up to me here in New Jersey asking me like, Hey, can you get us a ticket? Like I've never watched a tennis event live, but I would love to be there. Um, you know, like like that kind of like the impact of of our sport. You know, we are a worldwide sport, but just to see it 
you know, now living in the States and uh, was, yeah, was, was incredible. And, um, and it's going to be hard for anybody to fill in those footsteps. I think Coco Goff is to me, one of the funnest players to watch on tour now. Um, smart, uh, down to earth, um, you know, good family around her. And, and I just love watching her play and I love watching her, battle and i like that she plays doubles and wants to improve and and just the whole package i think it's um and she's yeah, gotten she's really the, and she's gotten really good this yeah this she's gotten good but but not like you know she's focused on what she has to do and i think i like that um you she know goes there's to work a, every yeah she goes to work but there's enough off time too like i realized like now that i'm older like my dad once in a while would say to me okay kim put your bag your tennis bag in the garage and don't touch your bag for the next week and i was like dad like i want to go like i want to play i want to like keep like no 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 like it's important to take time off and i think um he taught me that better than anybody and and that's what i even now to the kids because when you're young and you're doing well and you're you know my my daughter plays basketball and it gets so you can get so easily caught up in the in the roller coaster of the keep going, keep going, work hard, keep going, keep going, and um, and you forget and um, that you know it's it's important to to take time away from from something that you're so intense working so intensely on and um, and um, that definitely helped me um, in my career. Let's move into the fifth and final set. This is the queen of the court. If you could be the queen of tennis and make a change in the sport with just a swing of the racket, no aggravation, no politics, what would it be? Um, I mean, are there any an- are there any things with regards to rules that you always thought might be stupid or that you need to change? Is there well, any- I've always been against that on court coaching uh, thing. Um, I've never liked that. Um, which I'm happy that they've kind of swiped that away. <laughs> um, but now that I live in the States, um, this is not on the pro level, but so maybe just more on um, just seeing how tennis is is uh, not accessible to a lot of kids here, um, unless your parents play at a local tennis club or they have some tennis interest um, it's not looked at as, you know, basketball or baseball or even, you know, I see so many girls playing soccer here. And um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I've thought about, you know, I ordered some rackets from kids rackets from Babylon and some balls and to go to a couple of the local, you know, some some communities here where tennis is not looked at as a sport to play and just show up and put a sign on the fence and say, OK, Saturday from nine to 11, you can come play tennis and I'll. I'll be there with a few people and you can come coach just to make it more accessible here. Um, I think is something that um, I noticed a lot um, that it's so, yeah, you know, I grew up in Belgium and, and I was fortunate that my dad was able to, you know, help me with, you know, the, the, the sport that I fell in love with early on already. And, and um, to, to, you know, financially be able to, to afford that and, um, cause it is an expensive sport. And, um, so to be able to kind of help, yeah, maybe do something more here. I think that's what I would like to do on a, on, on a personal level, on the pro level. And it's really hard, um, to, um, to say much, uh, so you're happy with the way the sport is. Well, there's always, 
you know, I, there's always room for improvement, but I feel like being, you know, since I've been on tour, I feel like our sport has, has been improving and, and we have such a good um, healthy structure of, of, you know, people that want to like bring our sport like forward and, and it is, yeah. So I feel like the right people are there to make the sport business wise, um, to make it grow to, to, you know, because it is an, an always changing kind of business plan, right. With, you know, players doing well in different parts of the world. And, and um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I feel like we are, we do such a great job um, with how our tour is structured just as a player, just to see how it's all ran and how, you know, when we go to the trainer, when we go to the physio, with the hotels, I mean, it's all organized so well. And so I don't feel like, um, yeah, I feel like I would be like being very critical if I would say something um, besides the coaching thing. This was something that I was never for. Um, so I was definitely a lot more outspoken on that. Um, but Kleister's now I don't. Likes the way it is. Don't, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. That's right. Listen, I <laughs> I love talk. I, I like I always I love to say world number one when I have someone on my show. It's such an honor to have you on Hall of Famer. Let's see, Spain is up four zero. I think I've left you with about ninety. Or you, you probably have an hour and a half before your match comes up. Belgium plays Canada. Um, Perfect. I wish you a great Thanksgiving. Sorry about your kitchen. Um, it's okay. I hope that leak gets fixed. I mean, I, you, for our listeners, you have no idea what's going on over at the Clayton <laughs> house. That is wild. Oh, my God. My last, like, whatever. What are we? Thursday? Wednesday? Is, yeah, since last Friday or Thursday, probably. It's been. She's in a full. Everywhere. There's. Full yeah, crisis. <laughs> full crisis. It's okay. As long as it stays with stuff like this, I'm fine. This is all. Not a big deal. You keep a great disposition. Listen, Kim Kleisters, thank you so much for being on the show. Have a great back end of the year. Enjoy the holidays. Good luck to Belgium. Uh, I really hope that we see you in uh, Qatar at the the second week of December because that means that you're in the – that means your team has done really, really well. Yes. Well, one game at a time, and I'm going to be cheering and sending all this positive energy out. <laughs> hope, I hope you and Ans get there together. Uh, Kim Kleisters, you are released. Thank you. Huge thank you to Kim Kleisters, and thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com. Diodora is the official shoe of the show. See them at Diodora.com and be on the lookout as there will be more to come. Max Love edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released. <laughs>